All right, and it is nine o'clock. Welcome to the Get Off My Lawn podcast. It's Tuesday night, and this is what we do in this time slot. Uh, we have got kind of a, a full panel tonight, and um, this is going to be a, a topic we've talked about in the past, but this is very, very pressing. Now, for those of you who do not live in Nebraska, <coughs> squib, <coughs> this isn't going to be quite as, uh, uh, won't have quite as much bearing for you as it does the rest of the rest of us. But uh, um, here's the issue. This can happen anywhere. And if this can happen in Nebraska of all states, it can happen to any one of, of your states as well if you're not in Nebraska. So uh, um, real quick here, we will let everybody say hi uh, as we go through our panel. Uh, last one that jumped in here was Rich White. So I haven't said hi to you yet. Hi, Rich. Hello. And next up, we've got Duke Liberty is in the house. Howdy, howdy. Thanks for being here, Duke. Travis P11, holding it down from Lexington, Nebraska. Hey, man, thank you for the invite. I appreciate being able to participate in this uh, discussion. You betcha. Uh, down in right. down in that uh, that urban area of Nebraska, we've got Rod Moeller joining us. Good evening. Good to be back. Glad to have you, Rod. Uh, up there in the Mitten State, we've got Squibload. Maybe. For those of you who don't know, Squib is at work until about 9.30 Central Time, so he doesn't always uh, no, get a chance. Your, your sophisticated Nebraska internet froze up, dude. Oh, I don't think mine did. Yeah. No, well, we, got a, we, we got good internet over here. Good. Glad to hear it. <laughs> yeah, when you said Nebraska, I started falling asleep, but then I started thinking about what happened in Virginia. And, yeah, you don't want it to happen in Nebraska or any other state. So Exactly. Um, the, the lessons learned, we can all share. Exactly. All right. My neighbor to the south in that Kansas area, he is in Kansas anymore, Toto. We've got Gizzard Gary. <laughs> hey, thanks for the invite. And uh, just to support you guys across the state line, you want to keep that stuff as far away from here as possible. <laughs> That's right. Don't let that creep, creep to the south. No. All right. no, no, no. And and then we've got, uh, we saved our ladies for last because they are definitely not the least. Um, but you know what? Chivalry may not be dead, but these are empowered women. They don't need us to make them go first. So next up, we've got uh, Patricia Harold joining us again. You've seen her face before, some of you. Hi, everyone. Looking forward to our discussion tonight. Thank you for having us. Glad you're here. And then uh, we've also got a newcomer. We tried to have her here uh, a, a couple weeks ago, and it just didn't work with uh, the internet and everything. So she has gone to extreme measures tonight to join us. She had to get in her car, drive away from her house, and go out to the highway just to get enough service to join the chat. So we appreciate the sacrifices that you have made. Uh, this is the Nebraska Rep to the DC Project. And if you don't know what the DC project is, you need to look that up when the chat is over. Or if you can multitask, listen and look it up at the same time. But we've got Stephanie Schaefer joining us from the panhandle of Nebraska. 
Hello, John and everybody else. Thank you for including me. I'm happy to be on here participating in this important discussion tonight. It, it is that. All right. And real quick here, who do we have out in the chat? Now, if you are joining us, uh, I know a lot of you have seen us lately on Facebook and maybe are new to the uh, the live podcast here on, on the YouTube side. So if you're watching right now and you're live, uh, go ahead and uh, make sure you're logged in on YouTube. You can join the live chat. You can actually drop comments. We will see them. If you, uh, if you put an at symbol in front of somebody's screen name, then you'll tag them. It'll show up orange on their screen and they'll, they'll see the comment a lot better. So if you have questions, make sure you tag, uh, the best, honestly, the best way to tag somebody is to tag Sandhills sweetheart. She is my beautiful wife out there and, uh, she holds it down in the chat side while I'm running my mouth. We like to say she does the typing and I do the talking. So out there in the chat, uh, we've got, of course, my beautiful brides out there. Uh, Levi from Norfolk is in the house. Grim90 is here. We've got Gary doing double duty. Uh, Richard Hirsch and Pat Hirsch from Innovale, Nebraska are in the house. Welcome. Uh, twins, identical twins, I've been told here. Uh, we've got uh, Gun Loving Grandpa, Guitar Man Pete's out there, Jay Brown, also a Nebraskan, uh, Travis P11's out there, of course, uh, Mr. Pearl Necklaces, and Rich White's out there, and in here, Obnoxious One uh, thinks he's first, but he's actually Fisert. Uh, Stan from SS Pawn in Lexington, Nebraska's in the house. Uh, Seven Wonders, who am I missing? Anybody yet? Jim Burgess from Texas is here. Uh, I tell you what, if you are out there in the chat and you're from Nebraska, please let us know uh, uh, where you are in Nebraska, what uh, what town you're in or near, uh, or at least the county, if you don't want to give away your exact location. Tell us what county you're coming from so that uh, we can say hi to you. We want to have all the Nebraskans that we can have. So please, if you've got some time, Take the link to this chat, share it with everybody, send it in a text or an email or whatever. Get all the Nebraskans we can on this chat. And uh, the best part is, if you miss it live or if they miss it live, that link is good forever on YouTube until YouTube takes me away. So uh, you can check it out anytime from now on. All right, we've got a few others out there. Uh, Tim Donahue from Millard is in the house. Uh, Justin Gibbons, I see him on Facebook all the time. In, uh, also in Dawson County, Travis, he's your neighbor. Uh, 10X Shooters is down there in that Beatrice area. So, All right. And if I'm not mistaken, 10X Shooters and uh, 402 Outdoorsmen are related. So maybe we'll see 402 Outdoorsmen. Well, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. All righty. We're just going to get into this. Um, most of you are aware of this in Nebraska, but uh, maybe your friends and relatives and neighbors are not aware of what's happening in Lincoln. So we've got two terrible bills that have been uh, introduced, the first of which has already passed the Judiciary Committee and is headed to the unicameral floor. We've also got uh, one more that is being heard this Friday in Judiciary Committee. And uh, if you can get to Lincoln that day, you really should uh, try and show up and testify. I wish I could get that day off work, but it's a little too short notice. Um, so... In order to uh, to try and, and keep everything straight, because we've got a lot of people um, trying to, to make the rest of the state aware, and it's great. I see some some really, uh, it's, it's awesome to see how much the Nebraskans are banding together. 
uh, and forming a united front to fight some of these horrible laws that, that we're facing here in our state. Um, some of the uh, some of the posts I see out in the the groups I'm I'm part of on Facebook. Sometimes people get a little confused as to which bill is which is is the problem. Uh, we've got two different bills, LB58 and LB816. And I asked Rod to come tonight so that he could summarize because he's better at this game than I am. Uh, Rod, would, we'll just let you have the floor for a second. Would you summarize each bill? Uh, tell us which one is which, what they do. Um, what they might possibly mean, and then we will get into, uh, we'll discuss each one in turn uh, as a roundtable of just what that might mean in Nebraska if those laws would get passed. So, Rod, we'll let you take it away. Okay. Well, I'll start with uh, 816 since that's the one that was uh, introduced this session, and it's, it's up for hearing on the uh, 21st. Uh, basically, they're calling it a suicide prevention bill, and you know I think suicide prevention is something that you know most of us uh, think it's an admirable goal, um, and a lot of us have been working towards um, you know educational and, and other activities to try to prevent that. But uh, this bill really uh, misses the mark if that's really the goal. Um, the only thing close to this is there is a requirement to include suicide prevention information in the Nebraska concealed handgun permit curriculum um, as mandated by the Nebraska State Patrol. It would put a lot of new requirements on there. Uh, and, I, and I have no problem with including that. Uh, but everything else in the bill really doesn't seem to uh, approach that topic. Um, it does require new materials to be distributed to buyers uh, by dealers for safety and suicide prevention. Uh, again, I guess I don't have a problem with information being handed out. Um, but these materials are going to be distributed by the Department of uh, uh, DHHS, uh, you know, <laughs> Health and Human Services. They don't exactly have the best track record here in Nebraska. I don't know that I really trust them to create this stuff. Um, it places a costly requirement on the Nebraska State Patrol to create a list of firearms that include certain features. Uh, you know, things like uh, a barrel shroud or a pistol grip or, you know, any number of foldable stock, those types of things. It also requires that that list be updated at least annually. Uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what the cost estimate for that might be, because uh, that, that's going to be a huge undertaking for the State Patrol to do that. Um, the other thing is, though, it requires that you know that Nebraska firearm purchase certificate you have to have today in order to acquire a handgun in the state of Nebraska? Well, that would extend to most long guns. Uh, it would be by feature, but anything that's a semi-automatic, anything that has any number of different features, uh, that same purchase certificate uh, would be required in order to uh, purchase a long gun. Uh, it raises the cost of that permit from the current $5 to $20. It mandates a minimum wait period. Uh, you cannot go to the sheriff's office, apply for the permit, and leave with it in hand. There's a minimum wait period of 48 hours before they can issue that permit. Uh, currently, the permit must be issued within three days. This bill would extend that to be five days. Uh, so they could take up to five days now. 
Uh, and then one of the more disturbing things is individual sales of most firearms now would be prohibited at a gun show, uh, at least face-to-face. -face. It would require that a federal firearms licensed dealer handle the transfer of those private sales. Here's the worst part, and this is what really concerns me. Uh, felony charges would apply to the gun show organizer if it were found that somebody violated that at their gun show. Uh, that's, that's pretty disturbing. Uh, it's, to me, a disincentive to continue to have gun shows. Uh, that's kind of the high-level summary of 816. Did we want to talk about this before we move on to 58? You know what? Let's just go ahead and do that. That way we won't uh, we won't get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, so I'll start this off, and and uh, we won't go around the horn and be super super organized because it's just going to take too long to ask everybody their thoughts, and most of us will probably kind of say the same things. So um, those of you who are new in the chat. Um, I think Stephanie's the only new one we have out there on the panel. So uh, as long as we don't walk on each other, just go ahead and jump in and uh, and talk, you know, when somebody else isn't. Um, and we will uh, get everybody's thoughts uh, and questions. And then uh, we'll try and, and field any questions we have out there in the chat, too, um, about uh, LB816. So there's a couple things that... Uh, that bother me about that bill. I think that, yeah, the felony charges for whoever organizes a gun show. Um, if, uh, if somebody else decides to break the law at that gun show, that is completely ludicrous and very, very alarming in my mind. Um, and we all know what that is designed to do. That just means that nobody in their right mind is going to be brave enough to organize a gun show. And it's going to basically shut them down uh, without actually having to pass a law that shuts down gun shows. And um, now some of you might be thinking, what's the big deal about gun shows? Some of you maybe haven't been to them, or some of you have and uh, didn't see any good deals at a gun show. Well, I'm here to tell you, you don't go to a gun show to get a good deal on a gun. But if you want to do some uh, wheeling and dealing, some trading, swapping, things like that, they're a great place to do it. But they're a great place to make contacts. Uh, you might find out there's a gun store or a, an FFL in your area that you didn't even know about. Uh, they might have a table there. It's also a great place to just get together and celebrate the fact that we have the freedom to have gun shows in our country and in our state. And uh, I think that they're very, very vital to the two-way community because they're they're kind of like just miniature rallies where everybody gets to show off their collections and uh, you might find something that you uh, you didn't know you needed or you've been looking for for a long time and and yeah if it's a if it's a brand new gun you can probably find it online on sale or black friday special is going to be a better price but that doesn't keep the mom and pop shops going and uh if it's something rare you might only find it at a gun show they might not uh you might not find it anywhere else. So gun shows are great, great things to have. Um, and aside from that, just the, uh, there's so much in there. Everything about that bill is wrong. Um, I'm going to shut up and let everybody else kind of sound off on, on the rest of it. Yeah. Um, as somebody who lives in a different state, I think the idea that you guys need a permit to buy a handgun is ridiculous. And them extending it to a long gun would just make it astronomically more ridiculous. Uh, it, the 
the fact that we need a permit, I agree, Rich, is ridiculous. The the whole idea behind it is when you buy your permit, um, if it's just the purchase permit, it's a $5 permit. You get it from your your uh, sheriff's department or depending on the town. If you live in Norfolk, you go to Norfolk Police Department. You don't have to go to Madison down to the sheriff's office. But uh, you run the background check and everything else um, right there on the spot. So anybody who has a valid handgun purchase permit, the background check's already done. So you can take that into a gun show and buy a gun from an FFL and they don't have to take the time to run a background check on you at the gun show because the permit says the state has already signed off on your background check. And if you, uh, um, for whatever reason, something would change and you would lose your handgun or your, your firearm privileges, you wouldn't have that permit. It's just like, just like having your driver's license that gets revoked. You got to give it up to them. We've got so, something similar here in Michigan. It used to be a lot more of a hassle. They've streamlined it, taken out a bunch of stuff, and they've made it where it's a lot more user-friendly. No, we don't like it, but it's, it's been around for a long time, and it's, it's really not that big of a deal. One day, it, hopefully, we can make it go away, but for the most part, it goes along the whole, the whole mindset of what kind of guns are the most used in crime. What kind of guns are most of the bad guys that aren't allowed to have guns already because they're already felons? They've already got a rap sheet. And what kind of gun is most likely to be stolen? And that's what they're concealing and they're taking to the place where they're going to commit a crime. It's a handgun. And that doesn't mean that you and I don't have a right to have a handgun or carry a handgun or, or conceal carry a handgun. But the, the laws like that, that's sort of the, I guess, justification, if you want to call it. I'm not defending what they're doing in the sense that I say I agree with it, but I understand why they have it there for handguns and not for long guns. So every time they come out and they say, you know, all these mass murders are committed with these AR-15s and stuff, and it's like less than 1% of deaths committed by, by bad guys using a firearm, blah, blah, blah. It's mostly handguns. Uh, I'm sure you guys would like to see it go away as much as we would here in Michigan. Yeah, it's a pain in the neck, but uh, it's the, I guess it's the price of doing business for now. A lot of people don't realize for a gun-friendly state, Nebraska is really not that gun-friendly when you compare us even to our neighbors uh, that are gun-friendly. So uh, almost all the way around us are states that are way more gun-friendly than us if you take Colorado and Iowa out of the mix. Something I wanted to add about our permitting process that I think is kind of frustrating uh, and, and every county is a little bit different. So I'd love to hear how like Norfolk does things compared to what I'm used to seeing in Washington, Douglas and Sarby County. Uh, but here we have to go to the county sheriff's office and well, Sarby County, I think you can go to Bellevue and Papillion Police Department. Uh, but you can only apply for this permit between 8.30 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. And there's a lot of people that have a hard time getting off of work to be able to go down to the sheriff's office to apply, uh, especially people that I know that work down at the state capitol, uh, down at Lincoln, but yet they live in Douglas County. So, you know, what are they going to do? Tell their boss, well, hey, I'd like to go buy a gun. I need to go to the sheriff's office to apply for a permit. Uh and I also noted when I was looking at some of this stuff, I noted that the current law specifies that you could apply for this permit by mail. I've never heard of anybody having 
done that successfully. So if anybody out there has been able to do that through the mail, I'd love to hear about that. You mentioned the hours that you can apply. Is that like this a Monday through Friday thing, or can you do it on weekends too? It's a Monday through Friday. All right. Does anybody else? Um, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna specifically ask uh, Trish and Stephanie and uh, and Travis since you all are are also in Nebraska. Uh, any of you have anything that you want to add as far as LB eight sixteen? I do. <laughs> you know, we were talking about. Uh, so, oh, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Um, for those of you who've seen me on here before, um, suicide prevention is a incredibly personal um, issue for which I am constantly attempting to bring awareness and education and resources to people. Um, my husband passed by suicide, and I did not become a gun owner to the extent that I am now until after he passed some kind of um, a strange cookie in the sense that so many people are like, gosh, when you have hated guns, you know, after he died and no, I don't hate the guns. I hate everything that contributed to his passing. Uh, so that being said, um, there's an organization called the American foundation for suicide prevention an absolutely awesome group of humans who um, I believe participated in the crafting of some of this, um, material that went into 816, right? A suicide prevention bill. And in the same way, we, we ourselves are desperate to retain our rights and advocate for our rights and expand our rights. They are just as passionate as fi to find forms of solutions that can make a dent, right? A dent in the number of people who pass um, by falling victim to the darkness. And so all of the intentions uh, of this bill um, you know, have a ton of merit, but the application and the execution is a real concern to me because here's the problem with so much of our politics. Um, if you say you're against LB 816, the anti-suicide bill, then your character and your reputation uh, is easily besmirched, right? How dare you be against an anti-suicide prevention bill? Um, and that's the part that I dislike about the games that get played at the unicameral um, when we start talking about LB58, it's the, you know, emergency protection order bill, which if people don't read the bill, I had a great conversation with a young lady who was like, well, this is all about, you know, domestic violence and trying to end domestic violence. And I said, no, it, it, it really doesn't have anything to do with domestic violence. We already have a ton of laws with regards to that. It's, it's not domestic violence. Um, and so it's these characterizations or mischaracterizations in the labels um, that basically starts you off with a, a, an incredibly misinformed populace. And so it's so important for our organizations and our advocates to continue to educate um, and really break this bill apart and, and show it for what it is, which is just a, a really poorly crafted bill with a ton of, um, a lot of misinformation. <laughs> I wondered if he even knew what half of the characteristics he decided to add to the, to the list to make a, a rifle or a shotgun a, a restricted item. It's just really disappointing. Well, and and before uh, before I let Travis and Stephanie go, I just want to point out too. Correct me if I'm wrong, those of you that that are in the know here, but um, it adds the the suicide prevention training to the curriculum for the concealed carry class, but it doesn't require a licensed mental health professional to teach that. 
And it also, um, those of you who are instructors, it seems like that's just a lot of extra crap you're going to have to learn and a lot of extra hoops to jump through just to uh, teach a class that we are required to have to buy a permit that we need to exercise a right protected by the Constitution. And it just seems like it's adding uh, more red tape instead of taking it away, which is what we want to do. I think you hit the nail on the head. So I teach concealed carry classes. Um, and frankly, do I know that I could probably do a really good job of anti-suicide prevention curriculum? I absolutely feel I could. Um, however, comma, it is an extremely sensitive topic. The way all of the materials and training um, are developed is with an incredible sense of sensitivity because you're dealing with individuals along an entire spectrum where you don't know who's in your classroom, you don't know where they're coming from, and how you deliver this education will really either make a positive impact potentially or maybe a negative impact. And again, like so many other bills that attempt to place firearms into a category is if we restrict these things or all of our societal ills are going to go away, they fail to look at the root cause for all of our issues in our society, whether it's poverty, economic disenfranchisement, um, racism, um, a lack of resiliency within our youth who don't know how to handle uh, disappointment and their anger and their emotions, and they have helicopter parents and schools that don't hold them accountable and, and all these other issues. It's, it's literally a scapegoat bill. Oh, look, I'm doing something for suicide prevention, but it's not gonna do anything. But they always take the lazy way out. Yeah, Very true. I, I would add on to what Trish said there, um, you know, talking about suicide prevention, we all want suicide prevention, right? Everybody says, let's prevent gun violence. Well, let's prevent violence altogether. Um, we don't need to talk about the object. And the firearms industry is leading the way in a lot of those efforts to make schools safer, to prevent suicide. You've got groups um, like the one Trish mentioned. You've got Walk the Talk America. Here in Nebraska, one group working on suicide prevention, McKenna Ray, McKenna's Ray of Hope Foundation from Kearney. You've got Hold My Guns, who does responsible storage during mental health crisis. The firearms industry is already involved in that. If people would get behind us and work with us on these efforts, instead of working against us and seeing us as the opposition. Um, th those are my thoughts on that. Amen. And real quick, I just want to say hi to Jim. I didn't see that you snuck in here. Yeah, I snuck in the back door right at like 9.03. Cool. So, I didn't even didn't even see you jump in there. So, heck yeah. yeah thanks for the invite. Uh, yeah, no problem. All right, Travis, you had some stuff you were going to say. Yeah, just real quick here. I remember reading, I don't know if it was a year or two ago, there were some complaints about how much it actually costs for the the background checks or whatever checks are necessary for that handgun purchase certificate to be issued there were complaints about that because there was discussion on jacking up the prices a year or two ago imagine what it would go up to if they included long guns in that language because you're gonna have people in nebraska that that won't buy a handgun but they might buy a rifle or a shotgun and now they got to go get that and now we've got to add more red tape and more cost to the whole process i mean it's gonna make the price of that thing go up exponentially uh, so that's one thing that i see as a concern because the five dollar thing is you know you can deal with that, but if it goes up to $25, $45, $55, you know, 
Um, not to mention the whole cost of just, just being able to get our concealed carry permits after it's all said and done is just crazy. And then the other thing is, uh, uh, Rod, I got a question for you. I read, I don't know if this was like a KNOP or a Nebraska news thing when they were talking about uh, 816. Was it going to do something that was going to redefine the firearm so we had to justify our ownership in some way, shape, or form? Maybe that was misinformation by the news. That there was something you had to you had to have a public you had to you had to be able to justify ownership of your semi-automatic firearms. Is that something totally different or not? That one that that one's new to me. I didn't catch that in the all. Right, I'll put a link to the article in the internal chat. You guys can just check it out real quick. So I thought it said 816 said that it was going to define, it was going to make you have to basically when you go to purchase it, state why you think you need it or something. I don't know what it was. I'll find it real quick and I'll let you guys know. Okay. Okay. But no, that's it. That's all I have. So, yep. Yeah, go ahead, Stephanie. Uh, just my thoughts on this particular bill in general and kind of from the second amendment, this is a right, it's a guaranteed right. My concern with this bill and many of the others is it only seeks to infringe further on the rights of, in the words of Charlie Cook writing shotgun from Charlie, law-abiding background check passing people. This mm-hmm. bill will do nothing at all to deter criminals from obtaining guns and committing crimes. And that's really what it comes down to. They are just going to further restrict all of us who already abide by the rules and not solve the problem. Very, very good point. Yes, any uh, any law like this, especially this one, it uh, it seems like it's going to turn more people who ordinarily would be following the law overnight uh something you did yesterday if you do it today might make you a criminal potentially a felon um and again i mean going back to the the gun show organizer thing i mean i'm only responsible for uh you know telling people to follow the rules uh it's up to them if they decide to break them or break the laws uh i don't want to be held accountable and and be uh become a felon just because uh, somebody else chose to break a law at a gun show that I organized. That, that's completely, completely bogus. And I, I had missed that. I hadn't even realized that was in there, Rod. So I'm glad that you were here to, to uh, summarize that for us all. You know, sometimes it feels like when they write these rules, they just put a they put a bunch of regulations on the wall and they just throw darts and whatever pops up on the darts is what they decide to tack on to that bill that they want to propose. I mean, they will go after the tiniest, idiotiest little thing that they can do to take our rights away. I mean, uh, or the biggest thing, such as the whole felony charges for gun shows. I mean, that's just insane, man. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, okay, does anybody have anything else uh, from the panel that you want to uh, comment? Yeah, I just find it interesting whenever you see somebody bringing up one of these anti-suicide bills, they bring up these uh, statistics which link that come from organizations which talk about gun violence in general, and they throw murder and suicide both together. When I was in school getting my bachelor's degree, I did a report on... Um, the gun control issue in the United States. And one of the things I found out when you put murder and suicide together, the U S ranks near the top of the list, but when you separate them, 
on both murder and suicide, the U.S. drops down both lists dramatically. And, and on the suicide part in, in, in and of itself, they weren't even counting just firearm suicides. They were counting all suicides together. And these are the statistics that these people quote when they're saying that we have issues. Not to downplay that we don't have a lot of people committing suicide or a lot of people committing murder. But these politicians and the anti-gun crowd, they want to inflate numbers that to make them look worse than what they may actually be. Yep. And that's uh, cherry-picking uh, facts or cherry-picking um, evidence. That's something that uh, the left definitely is is very good at doing, although I would submit that both sides are, are guilty of doing that at, at certain times. So, um, okay, any other comments? Going once, going twice. Couple comments out there in the chat. I wanted to get to. Uh, there was one quite a while back. Um, I don't remember now. It had to have been a Hirsch. It was either Pat Hirsch or Richard Hirsch had said that Webster County at the last commissioner meeting had just voted to become a two A sanctuary county. So that is the uh, the third county now in Nebraska that I've heard of. Moral was the first. I've been told Banner County, and uh, I just learned tonight uh, Webster County has uh, joined the 2A Sanctuary County list. So they are starting to grow. Uh, words getting out and Nebraskans are uh, preparing just in case. So one other question 10X shooters out there had asked, and uh, I want to get everybody's take on, uh, on this. Um, well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to sit on this question 10X. I want to get everybody's take on, on both of these bills. So I will ask this when we're, when we're through LB fifty eight as well, because um, that way we can we can answer it uh, in a two part each of us. So, um, all right, so we will move right along, and uh, Rod, we will let you uh, summarize LB fifty eight. Uh, those of you who've been watching the podcast for quite a while, back when we were called Two A Tuesday, uh, about a year ago, we had Rod as a guest, and uh, he went through and explained in depth the uh, LB fifty eight. Uh, that was introduced because this was actually uh, introduced last uh, or at the beginning of the session last year. Um, and so uh, uh, it hasn't changed it. Uh, well, it has changed, but not for the better. Uh, so, uh, so Rod, we're going to let you take it away and talk to us about LB 58. Well, maybe, I think we just lost Rod. We will see if he makes it back in here. Um. Hello? The audio faded out there for a second. Okay, yeah. Um, I tell you what, we're going to... Uh, we'll see if Rod makes it back in. Uh, this is why we have more than one person who's smarter than me on the panel. So, uh, which is, dang, they're all of you. But when it comes to the ins and the outs, Trish, I'm going to let you take this one then while we wait for Rod to make it back in here. All right, so LB58 is like every, pretty much like every other horrific red flag bill that exists is being pursued and or has passed uh, across the nation. Um, here's the interesting thing. So during the hearing on the committee uh, last year, uh, we testified against it and uh, we made a great effort to um, obviously get it to stay in committee because killing something in committee is a whole lot easier than killing it when it gets out to the floor. But Basically, it is a litany of civil rights violations allowing a petitioner who happens to be connected to you 
whether they lived with you, live with you now, you were dating them or were dating them or are dating them, you have a baby with them or you did have a baby with them, law enforcement and superintendents. Um, they can put together a petition for things as simple as um, your Facebook pages are full of hate towards any uh, protected class or even unprotected classes. Um, they think you drink too much, you have firearms, um, you've gotten angry with them, you've gotten in an argument with them. And even though you have committed not one crime, not terroristic threats, not assault, not battery, not even simple battery, um, they can go to court and an ex parte hearing, which means you're not present, can be heard. The judge is going to listen to the petitioner's evidence. They have to reach the threshold of preponderance of evidence, which is the lowest level of evidentiary uh, proof. Um, and again, the judge is only hearing from them. You're not there to defend yourself. So reaching that threshold is fairly easy. That judge is then going to take that evidence and determine whether or not he or she wants to take the risk of not granting the petitioner's request uh, to basically put out an emergency protection order against you. Um, which then means you're going to get a visit uh, by law enforcement to uh, basically secure and collect all of your firearms. Um, you will then be notified that you can petition for a hearing uh, within 14 days or longer from that original declaration um, in order to defend yourself. But because there's been no crime, there's no criminal charges, you're not afforded like the normal benefits of um, citizens who are innocent until proven guilty. Uh, for instance, if you can't afford an attorney, you know, in a crime, uh, um, a criminal hearing, you, you know, you can get a free one. One will be provided for you, but in this, you're not provided any, um, judicial support from a free attorney. Um, and you're going to have to present your counter arguments. Um, and one of the challenges is you have to prove you're innocent from a crime that didn't happen. Um, and again, judges are going to be hesitant to reverse their order. And so you could face up to a year or more of becoming a prohibited person without ever having committed a crime. Additionally, what's also awful about this bill is the um, petitioner, if they falsely accused you, um, they get a misdemeanor charge with a small fine and quote unquote up to six months in jail. Um, and if they're not going to prosecute people that, I don't know, do straw purchases that end up purchasing firearms that are used to kill a law enforcement officer like what happened to Officer Rosco, I highly doubt these petitioners are going to face any jail time, especially when they're already talking about no cash bail and, and releasing people on their own recognizance for, for everything uh, besides like the most horrendous crimes. So in a nutshell, it's a laundry list of violations that none of us uh, should stand for. Absolutely. I just uh, actually pulled up the text of this bill, and it, it's the same low bar to clear preponderance of the evidence. So it's not even clear and convincing evidence. It's just basically civil court style. We come in and take your rights. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but preponderance of evidence basically means if you can convince the judge that it's likely to happen, right? Yeah, it's it's slightly above probable cause. So yeah, basically means 
slightly more that I think you might have convinced me that it's going to happen than not. Yeah, more just more likely than not. It's certainly yeah. not beyond a reasonable doubt standard. Yeah. Yeah, and it violates so many different uh, so many different amendments other than the Second Amendment. Um, because like, I mean, everything that Trisha just said, um, you don't get to face your accuser. Uh, you don't get due process because due process includes a presumption of innocence. Whereas this, you have to fight to clear your name and prove your innocence. Uh, you don't get a court appointed or a, a public defender because you're not on trial for a crime. So you've lost, you've had the police show up to take your stuff away for a crime that you haven't done. And you've got to convince somebody that you had no intention of doing it. My biggest issue with any red flag law, um, be it uh, this one or, or any other states, is that uh, here's here's what's happening. And I'm going to just go out here and, and, and say this. Uh, anybody who's trying to pass a, a red flag or an extreme risk protection order law, the way that it's written, such as in Nebraska, all they're trying to do is pee on your head and convince you that it's raining because that is exactly what's happening. They're trying to say that this is something to keep the community safe and to keep the guns out of the hands of dangerous people. Well, again, at face value, nobody wants dangerous people to have access to weapons of any kind. Obviously, that's going to be the case. The problem is they say that this is... Uh, if somebody is deemed to be a threat to themselves or others. So let's just use me for an example. Hypothetically, somebody thinks that uh, because I run my mouth every Tuesday night on a podcast and I say that I'm pro gun and I am pro capitalism and pro freedom. And uh, they think that I'm one of those, you know, gun nuts. Um, and so maybe now that the word is getting out across my state that I'm here in Norfolk doing this, maybe somebody uh, in my community on my street decides that uh, they're scared of me and they think I'm a gun nut and they think that I'm probably uh, going to go off the deep end and hurt somebody. And there's a school a couple blocks away and you know, who knows what could happen bad, right? So they go to a judge and file one of these extreme risk protection orders against me that I don't know about in a hearing that I'm not invited to. And I don't get to know anything about it until Madison County Sheriff's Department knocks on my door, says, uh, Mr. Sandhills, we're here to collect all your firearms because somebody decided that you might hurt somebody or yourself. And uh, now what they don't say, but is also the truth, is that they're here to take the guns out of my house, uh, but they will go ahead and leave me all my knives. They'll leave me all my blunt instruments, hammers and whatnot. Uh, if I'm going to hurt myself, they'll leave anything that I could use to, to hurt myself. Uh, the bathtub stays, the toaster stays, electrical cords and belts. Those all stay, uh, pills in the, in the car. medicine cabinet. Those all stay. 5, the weapon. car and, and the car keys. Those all stay. All they want is the guns because clearly I can't hurt myself or anybody else. If I don't have a firearm in the house. And what they do is they take this person who a judge has just signed an order stating that this is a dangerous person and they let them walk free among us. Because clearly, if you take the guns out of the house, there's no more threat. But now, see, if you or did that with the really person, about safety. If, you, if you had the person taken away, that wouldn't be popular. Nobody would, nobody would get behind that. No, nobody would, would get behind their elected representative saying... 
yeah, we can take the people away if we think they're they're a danger to themselves or others. No, we'll just take one of the oh. possible tools they could use. Because and that that's would, why they're they're able to do this is because that would going, be unlawful. Oh, yeah. I don't have yeah. guns. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with this. Yeah, why why should anybody have guns? I don't have guns. But if it was like, wait a minute, they could take me away, and and then they start thinking about how many crazy ex girlfriends they had. Uh, yeah, I'm not for this. <laughs> well, and that's just it. Yeah. If if the red flag laws were such that the police came and knocked on your door and said, okay, somebody thinks that you're dangerous. You need to come with us. We're going to hold you for 72 hours. We're going to give you a psyche valve and everything else. And a, a panel of trained medical and psychological experts is going to determine this. I wouldn't have near the issue with it. But if yeah. you, if you call a bill, something that is in the best interest for public safety but what it really does is make it uh, a way to, to go around, the uh, do an end run around all of the amendments that say that you can't take stuff from people uh, or lock them up when they haven't committed a crime yet. But this makes it legal to go and take the guns out of people's homes without breaking any laws and according to the courts so far without violating any amendments. I brought that up in another chat about taking somebody away for 72 hours to evaluate her, and somebody corrected me in the chat and said that already exists. They already can do that. So if, 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 yeah. that, if that's true, if somebody if they can actually do that, if they think that you're that much of a danger, that they can detain you and have you evaluated and this, that, and the other for 72 hours, then what do we need this law for? Yeah, that, that, that is already a law. If someone whose degree is in criminal justice, yeah, that, that's already a law. They can already. So, so then, what, what do we need a red flag law for? Then why don't they just do that every time somebody wants to call in? Because that seventy-two hour law doesn't mean they can come in and take your guns. That's why. That's about getting the guns out of your hands. They don't care how they do it, just so they do it. Yeah, I'd like to add on there something about the amount of time that this is in effect. Uh, so once this has been deemed in effect. It's in effect for one year from its initial issuance. And <clears throat> it goes on to say that a respondent may submit a written request for a hearing to terminate a final ERPO once every 12-month period. So if this gets renewed annually, you can only appeal it once. And if that doesn't work, <laughs> you're shit out of luck for another year. There's no appealing it. Exactly right. And there's also no language uh, addressing the care that must be taken for the firearms that are removed from the home either. Which also means that uh, if they want to take your guns and maybe you've got a collection that's been handed down from generation to generation, maybe you've got priceless antique firearms in your home and uh, there's nothing in the bill that says that they're required to treat them uh and return them in the condition in which they they were found. So they can take you know all of all of your guns and just throw them into the back seat or trunk of a vehicle, let them rattle around and get scuffed and scratched and everything else, completely ruin the value of any of those collector items, and uh, and they're not responsible for anything and they don't owe you any compensation for that if you would happen to ever get those back. And we know that guns are never stolen from evidence in police stations either. 
Uh, something I want to add real quick too is let's let's not forget about the possible threat to the lives of law enforcement that a uh, red flag bill can create. You might have a stable, normal, rational human being that for whatever reason this is this ERPA ERPA has been dropped on them and law enforcement shows up um, and they finally decide at that moment that they feel that that's tyrannical. They feel that their lives, are, their rights and rules are being infringed against. They don't care at that point. They're going to make a stand against a tyrannical government. And they decide to take the law, no, not take the law in their own hands, but defend themselves, and they don't care. I mean, at what point? I mean, that that could be the threat to sheriffs or law enforcement that are going to show up at your home and try to take those guns. You might say, well, a rational person would never do that. Well, but a patriot and citizen who thinks that their rights are being infringed upon will. More to the point, um, if uh, and, and I'm not a law enforcement officer, and I don't know how to think like one, but I think that if I were... And I got told, hey, we're going to go serve this uh, extreme risk protection order and take the guns out of this person's house that the judge has just uh, signed off that they are dangerous. All I'm going to hear is we're going to go take the dangerous person's guns. So I'm going to be a little keyed up and be a little bit on edge when we knock on that door, uh, provided it is a knock on the door and it's not a no knock. I don't know how those work. And it, it doesn't matter because when that door opens, I'm just going to assume that there's somebody highly unstable and armed on the other side of it. And if, uh, if pe both people, the people on both sides of the door are keyed up and emotional or nervous or anything like that, the potential is there. Like Travis just said, it's a very real potential for disaster. And that's the biggest issue I have with, with this law is the potential for misuse. Um, if this worked every time the way that it is designed to work and it only gets used against the people that really are dangerous, I wouldn't have a big, well, I wouldn't have as big an issue with it, even if it is just to take their guns away, which I still have a huge issue with, but we've already seen these be abused in other states. The potential is there for this law to be abused and be abused badly. And therein lies the problem, because if a law can be potentially abused, then we don't have the issue anymore of it's better to let a guilty man walk than imprison an innocent one. Uh, that is one of the premises that uh, I was under the impression our justice system was founded upon. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not better to let a guilty man walk than uh, to imprison an innocent one. Maybe it's better to just uh, lock everybody up just in case they might have done something bad in the future. That's the road we're going down, anyway. Yeah, you're talking about the abuse of the thing. We just were, what say was it just recently? Maryland, where a woman tried using the red flag laws against the officer who killed think, her son in a cop, you know, suicide by cop situation. I think Colorado. Was it Colorado? I think, uh, maybe I I'm remember. wrong. I don't yeah, remember I what so, yeah, it was. Colorado. Okay, was and they're actually filing charges against her, but I, I think that yeah. is. She's been arrested. I think it's a rare occurrence that uh, somebody will actually have those charges filed. Yeah. Well, they mess with the wrong people. They they yeah, they they, they, they the abused this against law enforcement. So you have the you have the I don't want to badmouth law enforcement, but you have the kind of the blue line ranks closed around that one. <laughs> Two of the biggest concerns that I have with this bill, in addition to the numerous rights violated by it are things like disarming victims. So if you've got somebody, uh, let's take me for example, okay, I have this 
crazy ex-boyfriend, crazy ex-husband, stalker, just completely psycho, should have never gotten wrapped up in, in a relationship with him to begin with. I've ended it, but he won't leave me alone. I'm carrying a gun. I want to defend myself. And he wants to disarm me so that he can come in and harm me. Does he care if he's going to be charged with a misdemeanor? If he really wants to hurt me and get to me, it's nothing to him. It's going to be a slap on the wrist. That's what we're seeing in our justice system all the time right now. So you see victims being disarmed and then they're defenseless and they've got to then defend themselves in court and spend the money, the undue hardship. The other real concern that I see with it is a reluctance on the behalf of some people to seek mental health treatment. Um, I've got a friend who watched her husband be murdered in front of her by her stalker. She was in a gun-free zone, left her gun in her vehicle because that's what she was told she has to do, and her stalker murdered her. Do you think that she needed to seek some help from a counselor after she watched her husband be murdered in front of her? Do you think it's fair that maybe she was depressed and had some issues going on? What happens when people have those types of things happen and they are afraid to go talk to somebody, to let people know that they need help because they think somebody's going to come take their guns? We've just created a bigger issue than the one that we've already got. And and not only that, but to build on, on your first point, Stephanie, uh, I can very much see that I've got a friend who, who got out of an abusive relationship and uh, just recently was granted an actual uh, protection order. I, and I don't know the difference between protection order and restraining order, but the, uh, the kid's dad can no longer come to her house legally. Uh, even after eight years of being uh, divorced, uh, he still to, to, well, not to this day, but just recently would still come to the house uh, and just walk in the door drunk and start yelling and causing a scene. Um, and, uh, she finally, and, and trying still to intimidate her, um, as much as he could with, uh, with another, you know, grown man now, uh, in that house. Um, but the thing is she finally got the, the judge to, uh, grant the protection order against, uh, her ex-husband. So now legally he cannot come to the house anymore or contact her or, or be near her. Uh, we all know that that's just a piece of paper if he decides he's going to do it. But more to the point, what about the people that are still in these abusive relationships? And the abuser is typically not only abusive in one way. So if there's a, uh, a spouse that's getting uh, battered and, and physically beaten, typically, uh, from what I understand, there's a lot of abuse, mental and psychological abuse going on as well. It's not just physical, which means that uh, typically the abuser is quite manipulative. And uh, most of the time, they're pretty smart cookies. Honestly, they're they're too smart for their spouse's good. But uh, what if they plan ahead? We've got this law in place and they decide they want to go ahead and lay the groundwork. So if something ever happens and uh, and she gets away from him, He's already called the cops on her multiple times and has it on record that she attacked him. And I've known of those relationships happening where she's getting the crap beat out of her. He calls the cops and she's the one that gets hauled away because in a domestic uh, 
domestic call in the state of Nebraska, somebody has to get hauled away. Yeah, um, I, here in West Virginia, I had a neighbor who his wife started beating on him. She called the cops, and he was the one taken away. Even though the paramedics were telling the officers that from the looks of the injuries, he was the one that was attacked, and it, his, the injuries on her were defensive. He was still the one that was arrested for it. It could, you know, I mean, it's the opposite of what you were just saying, but it's the same situation. Right, but it's the same. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's the man or the woman or, or two men or two women. It doesn't matter. The point is that the abuser typically projects onto the abusee. Exactly. Uh, when the cops show up, they, they're the ones that make it look like they're the victim. Yeah. And so we've already got now a record of the cops you know, being told that, well, this is the person who attacked me. So now let's fast forward a couple years. Uh, she finally got out of that house. The relationship is over. He goes to a judge and says, uh, she was plumb nuts. She attacked me all the time. She threatened to kill me. She threatened to shoot me. And I, I think that you should probably look into removing all the firearms from her house. Erpo gets granted served. She's disarmed. It doesn't matter if there's a restraining order or a protection order in place at this point. There's nothing to stop him if he comes in the door. Uh, well, there's still things to stop him, but nothing's going to stop him like a sucking chest wound. And that has just been taken off the table. She's been disarmed because he planned ahead and, and disarmed her before she ever got away from him. All right. Any other comments on... LB58. Um, I had dropped off earlier uh, because of a network problem. <laughs> uh, so I didn't hear Patricia's first minute or two. Uh, Trish, did you mention that uh, this had been replaced <clears throat> with new language in Amendment 2123? No, I would love for you to talk about that process because that's another thing that got us angry. Okay. Um, and, I, and I mainly bring it up specifically because somebody had mentioned that he had just gone out and looked at LB58. If you go to the NebraskaLegislature.gov website in the upper right-hand corner where you can search for a bill and you search for LB58, it'll come up with the whole history. And the most current thing is that when it came out of committee, Amendment AM2123 had been filed. And they basically struck the entire bill and replaced it with this amended language. Everything that we've talked about is still valid. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of changes to it, but um, there's, if you wanted to see what is currently uh, up to be, be debated on the floor, it's going to be the, the language from the amended version. Uh, so be sure to look at that latest language because that's what will go to the That's floor. weird because when I click uh, And that, then speaking of amendments. I'm sorry. When I clicked that link, it showed, it said, I'm going to try it again. 2123, it says, I don't have permission to access this resource. I don't know if there's a login required. or. Oh, really? Well, Can I was you having put problems. that link in the side chat, Jim? I was having problems earlier accessing the legislature's website so i don't know um yeah 
Yeah, I was looking at, I, so I put the link in the side chat. That's the link to Amendment 2123, and it, it came up uh, forbidden. 403. <laughs> well, there, there was issues with me even accessing the, the legislature's website about four hours ago. So I don't know if they're doing maintenance on the website or what's going on. Yeah, conveniently. Um, okay, that, so about uh, amendments, real quick. Well, it could be that they heard that you were having this discussion this evening, <laughs> and so they're trying to prevent us from seeing it. Yeah, I highly doubt I have that kind of pull with the state of Nebraska. But go ahead, Rod. We'll let you talk. <laughs> um, so about the amendment thing. So here's here's a frustrating thing. Getting back to uh, eight sixteen. There's a chance that Senator McAllister is going to introduce uh, an amendment, um, and he's going to introduce that when the bill is heard in the Judiciary Committee hearing. And the frustrating part with that is if we can't see the amended language before the hearing, it's very difficult to prepare your testimony. Uh, I, I had a situation a couple of years ago. I think it was the Pansing Brooks um, bill where she wanted to ban suppressors. And a particular senator on the committee was basically scolding people. She's already introduced an amendment stripping that from the language. You do not need to be speaking about that part of the bill. And I mean, he didn't say that to me. It was other people who were testifying before I got up there. But if it were me, I, I just wanted to say, well, Senator, I don't trust you. Um, just because an amendment was introduced doesn't mean that it's going to actually be passed through. So I want to have my voice heard because I don't trust any of you. Um, but anyway, uh, just pointing out that there's there's talk around the Capitol that there may be an amendment to 816 uh, introduced at the time of the hearing. And so if you're going to show up, it may, it may require some on the fly adjustments to your testimony. I wish I could make it down this Friday, but with work and everything else, it's not going to happen or whichever Friday. Yeah, next Friday. Anyway, I know I can't make it on the 21st. Um, I wish I could. I'd love to be there. Those of you who can, please go testify. The more of us that testify against these laws, the more likely our legislators are to listen. Not It's it's not enough just to reach out to your legislator. We need to to, to get in front of all of them, and they all need to know. The whole state needs to know that we don't want this. Um, so does anybody have anything else they want to uh, add as far as LB 58, the, the red flag law before I, before I move on here? Cause I want to get to 10 X shooters question now. All right. I just have one last thing to say. So the yeah. Nebraska fire owners, we're your voice. Um, but your voice is your voice. And I want to emphasize the importance of each and every single citizen in the state of Nebraska to voice their stance on LB58 and LB816. Many, many, many I'm, the level of activism in this state, I want to tell you it's surging. You got to catch this wave and surf it. Um, follow up your um, emails with a call. 
Um, the power of a phone call, three minutes to even if you're talking to the legislative aide to to state your case against LB58 or 816 makes a huge difference. Um, for years, we've been a sleeping giant. That giant has now awoken uh, and you want to get on board. So please activate yourself and make those phone calls. Absolutely. Because, Rod, who is the gun lobby? You are the gun lobby. We all are the gun lobby. We just had that uh, here a few weeks ago. We had Rod here uh, talking about how we all are the gun lobby. And I've posted a link to that chat over on the YouTube side there. So if you missed that, there's the link for that. You can go check that out when we're done here. Yeah, real quick. All right. Any other? If, uh, yeah. If, some, if I was at one of these meetings and some senator told me I didn't have to read a particular part of the legislation, my response would be, Senator, respectfully, go suck on a lemon. Only I might not have used the word lemon. Yeah, Case, uh, just that, that reminds me, if you go to testify in Lincoln, uh, make sure that your language is respectful. You don't get thrown out. You're no good to us if you get tossed. And you want to make sure that you portray pro-gun people in a positive light. Um, but uh, but to your point, you know, sometimes I think our legislators need uh, need to remember that they work for us, not the other way around. They are not the most important people in the room. The ones in the gallery are. All right. Any other comments before we go to, to 10X's question? All right. So now um, it's a two-part question. I will let... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Night Strike, what's up? Hey, how's it going? I, ha I have one comment. One, oh, two comments, really. Thank you for using GunTube Chamber, one. And two, shall not be infringed. All right. And thanks for not blowing out my eardrums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you are new here and you haven't seen Night Strike before, but uh, he has a tendency to, to scream that into his microphone at the top of his lungs, uh, which is great. We love it when he does it. It's kind of our, it's kind of his thing. But uh, but right well, now my I, ears are. I've, I appreciate I've read the you. Diction, I've read the dictionary and I've read the words written on the Constitution. And by the way, this, those the meaning of the words haven't changed for over two hundred years. Why is it such a hard concept for people to uh, to understand? I don't understand this, but you know. I would like to thank the poor conservative for sending me a stack of these. Uh, this document is not big. It doesn't take long to read. You should come up with a copy of it. You can go online and read it for free. Read it. The more people that know what the Constitution says, the, the less likely unconstitutional laws are to be passed because we won't stand for it. But if you don't know what it says, you don't know what it says you can and can't do, or the government can and cannot do. So, all right, um, moving right along. Now, this is a two-part question. We will let anybody answer it, uh, either part or both. Uh, just don't walk on each other here. But 10X Shooters wanted to know, how likely are these laws to pass? Now, before everybody else jumps in, I'm going to say this, and it's not going to be all that profound, but the more people who know about this and the more people who speak out against this, the less likely these are to pass because our legislators by and large in Nebraska, they do want to know what we think and they will listen to us if we are loud enough, but the wheel has to squeak before it gets any grease. So it is up to each one of us as Nebraskans to reach out, 
to anyone and everyone who will listen. And, and that means sometimes talking to people that, uh, that maybe it's not always easy to get that conversation started at the coffee shop or when you're standing in line or whatever, you know, some of us don't want to be painted as, as, you know, nuts, but at the same time, um, all you have to do is, uh, uh, again, this is a great chat. There's so many resources out there that, uh, besides me who, uh, uh, explain these bills for what they really are. So find those, uh, those links and, uh, bookmark them on your phone. And that way you can, uh, you can have that conversation with somebody and just say, here, you don't have to take my word for it. Be like LeVar Burton. Those of us who are old enough to remember him, you don't have to take my word for it and then give them the link. Let them go check these out for themselves. Uh, and they can, they can see what's happening. And I would love it if everybody would share the heck out of this chat, uh, this chat tonight, uh, because, uh, well, that lets YouTube know that y'all love me. So I appreciate it. Um, so now that being said, uh, in all honesty, um, I'm, I'm going to let uh, the rest of you who who kind of have your finger on the pulse of some of the other legislators across the state uh, answer this, uh, and everybody can have a chance to answer. So, um, what uh, what is the likelihood that these actually pass? Don't all go at once, though. And nobody wants to say it. they're not gonna because you know look at Virginia, right? <laughs> well, hopefully uh, that's, that's just it. Man. Um, <laughs> let me you know. Let me throw I mean, out the media is going to start to spin it, and you know it's going to come up in family discussions and stuff. And I think people need to realize there's a lot more involved in these bills than just the title. Okay. Well, it doesn't seem like it's a lot more than than what the title says there. It it doesn't yeah. seem like Nebraska had a big flip recently, right? So. Uh, my take outside looking in would be probably not during this session, but there's more to it than just th th there's always a chance a bad bill will get through. So you should stand against it. But at the same time, it's also, it's also marketing, you know, these anti second amendment types will put these things through knowing they won't pass, assuming they won't pass. And then they'll turn around in the next election cycle and say to the uninformed or the willfully uninformed, look at look at the horrible things that these other people are doing because they didn't pass our safety bills. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, never, so there's always that to that angle to look out for too. Yeah, never overlook the yeah, no major legislation generally gets enacted the first time it comes up. I mean, how many years did they have to keep going after and after and after before they finally passed the Concealed Handgun Permit Act in 2006? It was quite a few years that they kept trying before that finally passed. So if we defeat it this time, we're going to be fighting the same battle again. And every election cycle, we're, we're losing ground. We're getting more and more people that are not going to vote for our side uh, getting, getting elected into these positions down there. And well, never overlook the um, power of stupidity at times too, or and, the ability for a politician to say one thing and do another. And keep We've in had mind, Republicans on the national level. Sorry. <laughs> no, go, go ahead. You, okay. Um, we've had Republicans on the national stage endorse these red flag laws, and of all states, Indiana was the first one to have a red flag 
So um, if it can happen there, it can happen in any other state too. That's why you got to keep vigilant. Yeah, and Indiana is that evil gun state that all of the guns in that are uh, being used to kill people in Chicago come from Indiana, right? So um, there is keep no this in mind, that. too, especially <laughs> especially those of us here in Nebraska, because this isn't true for every state, but it is true in my state. Um, we are a rural state by and large, but all of our rural communities and our small communities are getting smaller. More people are leaving these these small agricultural communities than are coming back. Uh, you know, they they'll leave, they'll go to school, maybe one or two come back, but the other fifteen to twenty to fifty that graduated don't. And so, um, Lincoln and Omaha are growing, and most of the other towns in the state, most of them are not. And so, uh, keep in mind that with uh, you know populations and and potential gerrymandering and things like that uh we could one day be facing a a situation where omaha and lincoln really do start making all the laws for us statewide and we're a couple bad election cycles away from becoming virginia where we are uh one one anti-gun governor away from not vetoing these now from everything that i've heard and i haven't uh, i haven't reached out yet directly to to governor pete ricketts but uh, my understanding is uh he has no intention of ever signing these bills were they to hit his desk but we cannot rely on that um i'm a hockey fan every hockey team has a goalie you've also got two people that uh that skate in front of that goalie and play defense because you don't want the goalie to be the only person in charge of keeping the puck out of your net and we don't want the governor to, to be the only one uh, whose job it is to stop this. Because if he doesn't know that we oppose this, there's no reason for him to veto it. Uh, if he thinks it's the, the will of the people, then he's going to go ahead and let it through too. Maybe not this governor, but potentially uh, a good governor is going to, uh, to do the things that his state wants him to do, right? Or her. And so... It's not enough just to reach out to, to your district's senator. You've got to reach out to the people on the Judiciary Committee. Maybe it'll fall on deaf ears right now with the people on the current committee, but it's still our job to do it and reach out to them. Um, and the way that Rod had said this here a few weeks back, uh, if you've got interests in more districts than just the one where you live, maybe you've got uh, family in a different part of the state or you own property, in a different part of the state. And there are actually more than one state Senator, uh, who, uh, you belong to their constituency, reach out to all of them and explain to them that you really do, uh, belong, uh, or your voice does belong to them as well and let them know. Um, so, uh, it's, it's all of our job to keep this from happening, whether or not it's likely to pass a vote in the unicameral. Um, now, anybody else, go ahead and jump in there with the likelihood that these bills really do uh, get get voted in the unicameral. My response would be, never say never. That's what gets you in trouble. And so what we really need to make sure that we're doing is recognizing we need to have our voices heard, um, not just to our senators, to our neighbors, to the people that we work with, to our friends, family, um, make sure that we're letting people know and, and backing that up and telling them why. And also, 
if you have any interest in running for office, whether it be at the local level, the state level, the federal level, do it. Get involved at, at that level or encourage somebody to get involved at that level because that's what it's going to take ultimately is people who have our values and share our beliefs continuing to stay involved and, and pushing for these things that we believe in. Very, very good point. And, you know, it's, it's different. I mean, I have no desire to run for office, but had I that desire living in Norfolk, like I do, um, you know, the, the speaker of the legislature is my state Senator and, uh, there, there's somebody running against him this year that, uh, is, is highly likely to win that election. Um, I am a nobody and nobody here knows me. So it's not as likely that I would have, uh, any luck with the campaign because I, I don't have the funding or the backing that I would need to, to wage a campaign here. But those of you that are out in, in small towns and in sparsely populated counties, I know how that works. You know everybody within a 50-mile radius. Everybody knows everybody. Most of you help out with brandings and everything else with each other. So it's not like you don't, uh, you don't have a population base uh, in a voting base, if uh, if they like you and they know that you're a straight shooter, and that uh, if you if you make a promise, you intend to keep it, or you'll at least explain why it didn't work that way. That's all you really need. Um, I know campaigns can be expensive, so clearly uh, some funding needs to be there. But uh, it's it's a thankless job, but somebody's got to do it. Why don't we have some more people? Uh, willing to uh, to be the change that this state needs or to keep unwanted changes from coming in. So, yeah, that's a call to action to, to everybody listening. Um, maybe it's not such a crazy thing that one day you might run for office. I'm still thinking that uh, Senator P11 would be, a, it's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Well, everybody already calls me King Travi, so I guess I'm just kind of going with that. But yeah, I do agree. To, I, I <laughs> you going to run for King? I agree totally. I, I don't. I, I don't. I yep, don't know. Yep. I don't know. Representative Anderson sounds pretty good. Nah, never happened. We don't have representatives in our state. Oh, you don't. Right. <laughs> nope. We are the only state in the union that has one hat. Well, we have two houses. Um, I like to say that uh, we have our unicameral, which is our state senators. And uh, the people, the voters, are the second house. Um, we are the ones that hold them accountable. And we have a ballot initiative in our state. So uh, if, the, uh, if the, the lawmakers decide to uh, do away with the death penalty, the, the voters can petition to have it put back on the ballot, vote it back in, because that happened. Awesome. So, yes, uh, we do have a voice. We do have power as Nebraskans. And we can force the unicameral into doing what uh what we want them to do or we'll go over their head and and let the rest of us decide uh on a ballot we just have to circulate petitions get enough registered voters to sign that we do want to vote on this this fall so um all right any other comments as to the likelihood of these passing and in all honesty um those of you who are talking to some of the senators or have heard from from some of the different senators around uh, what's the general consensus from not only the Lincoln and Omaha areas, but across the state. All right. And out in the chat, if you know, 
if you've been in contact with your senator and and you heard uh, back from them, let us know too, uh, so that uh, so that we can see what's going on. I know that uh, Senator Slama is has been very very vocal against these bills. Uh, she seems to be a very good egg. We need more like her. And also, um, out where my dad lives in, uh, I can't name the district now, but that is where Senator, uh, Senator Brewer, uh, resides too. And so, uh, he's also very, very pro two a, in fact, what was it? He just recently won the, uh, the world long range shooting championship or something to that effect. It was like oh. a, like a, like a doubles tournament thing with him in a spotter or like a, they have a whole bunch of challenges you have to accomplish and stuff. Yeah over in so, russia russia or something like that is that where they're ukraine yeah, or something? yeah so so that uh the the world champion he's he's my dad's state senator I'm, and, and yeah and he's very very against both of these bills as well so uh senator merman said no dorn is concerned he's reversed course in the past though uh, Brewer says no on both. Yes. Um, Tank Shooter says Dorn says he needs more information before he can cast his vote. Uh, Matt Williams says no on both. Arch in Papillion isn't sure. Those of you in Papillion, contact Senator Arch. Make sure that uh, that your voice is heard because when they're unsure maybe we can get them off the fence onto the right side of it. All right. Any other comments on anything that we've talked about? Something that you missed, you wanted to get in there, maybe you saw it out in the chat and I missed it. Um, go ahead before we wrap it up and uh, does anybody have anything else they want to add in there? All right. So... Um, out there in the chat, my wife was asking some questions. Yes, if you uh, if you don't want to testify, you don't want to get up in front of everybody and speak, or you don't know what to say, or you're not good at public speaking, that's okay. But if you can make it to the Capitol, you can sign in as either for or against or neutral on whatever bill is being heard. It's okay to go there sign in as against it and just be in the gallery and be be uh, unheard that's okay but they still count every person that shows up as for against or neutral so make sure that we fill that gallery with people who are against lb 816 on the 21st and do we have a date yet uh do we know when lb 58 will hit the floor or are we still waiting to hear We're still waiting to hear um, it. A lot of it comes down to is Senator Moorfeld going to prioritize this? If he's, is he going to make it his priority bill? And if he does, then it'll probably be heard within 10 days of him making that designation. If he doesn't, then it, it likely won't even come up on the agenda because, you know, priority bills go first. Okay. All right. Also, on the 21st, outside the Capitol, there will be uh, an impromptu rally uh, for anybody who is interested in coming to testify or just come and be counted. So, uh, yeah, you have to sign in with your name, and, and it's it's public record that you were there, 
but I think that this is something you don't need to be scared of that you took a stand. Um, especially if you're listening to this chat, there's a pretty good chance you're against these bills as well. So if you can make it to Lincoln, uh, you can attend the rally, um, and then you can go inside and uh, sign in and let everybody uh, forever understand that you opposed these bills. So that's very important to do. Um, real quick, we don't have details locked down in the slightest yet, but we are planning a big rally, a huge rally. We want to duplicate Richmond, only uh, we don't think 20,000 is enough, so we're going to try and get 50,000 people in downtown Lincoln. I doubt that'll happen. We don't have the urgency here that uh, that they had in Richmond on Lobby Day. But everybody who hears my voice is invited to come to the rally. I can't tell you the date yet. It's not locked into stone. We need to secure the proper permits first to make sure that we can be uh, on the white on the on the White House on the Capitol building lawn um, on that day. But uh, this much I can tell you, it's. It's going to be, we're shooting for a time between Memorial Day and, and Independence Day. Somewhere in that time frame between Memorial Day and Independence Day. So, uh, planning on June, that's what that means. Um, I know so, club, but man, do you imagine a rally on the White House Rose Garden? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because nobody would get in the fence. <laughs> yeah, that's, How epic that's, would it be, though, if we could actually point. pull that one off? <laughs> Yeah, wow. Uh, how about? I don't know. I'm pretty sure we could get the uh, the guy that lives there to come speak at that one. But um, will the rally be armed? I tell you what, all the details will will be uh, be to follow. Before we say yes or no, we're going to get the uh, the exact laws so that we can quote them uh, before we tell people misinformation, uh, Zach. So just stay tuned. If you are not uh, following me on Facebook, it's the same. Same as the channel here, Sand Hills Shooter. Uh, go like us on Facebook, or uh, there are two groups, and I don't have them pulled up, but if somebody can uh, can post the links uh, in the YouTube chat there, uh, two great groups to follow. One of them is uh, Friends of the Nebraska Firearms Owners Association. They are uh, everything in Nebraska that the NRA is not in the U.S., uh, NFOA Trish is currently president. Rod's been on the board of directors in the past. They're both members. I'm a member. Travis is a member. You can all be members. It's free and you don't have to be a Nebraskan. Being a Nebraskan just gets you into certain forums that, uh, that people from out of state don't get to uh, on the NFOA website. But go to NebraskaFirearms.org and check that out. There's also a Nebraska Firearms Owners Association page on Facebook you can follow. Um, but join the group friends of the Nebraska Firearms Owners Association and join the group Nebraskans for the Second Amendment. Um, those are uh, great groups and those will be the first two places where details get posted for the rally along with uh, my page, NFOA page, um, all those places too. So uh, definitely look for details on that. It's going to be coming up as soon as we have details. We'll get them out. We have a committee of people that are uh, planning this. But we can't do much until we for sure lock the date in. Then we can move forward with more of the rest of the stuff. Um, before I forget, there's a pretty girl frantically waving at me to not forget her question. So, uh, oh, uh, Levi out there in the chat is saying, 
I, where did I miss it? Oh, DE Guns in Lincoln is planning a rally as well. Um, yes, I believe they're having something going on after the uh, the hearing um, at the Capitol. So there will be a rally outside. They're gonna they're gonna gather before. Before, yeah. okay. So so just go to the Capitol on the twenty first. Yeah. But then I do know that DE Guns is having some cool stuff happening out at their range after the fact too. Uh, they're out east of Lincoln, so uh, go to the Capitol, check that out. And then check DE Guns Facebook page for details on what they're doing. So, all right. Does anybody have anything else they want to mention before we start to wrap things up? Yeah, Defense Dad out there in the YouTube side said that uh, the guns is going to be busing people from their store to the Capitol. So if you need someplace to park, I guess you can park at their store and they'll make sure you have transportation to the rally. Parking can be an issue in downtown Lincoln. So... So yeah, find uh, go to DE Guns Facebook page. Talk to them about uh, about the details there. Um, they are they're out east of town. They're out kind of out in the country. When you uh, when you think you they can't possibly still be out there that you've gone too far and you missed it, uh, go a couple more miles and you'll see them. They're very easy to get to out there, but uh, great place to park. Get bust in, get bust back, and then you're already at the range, so you can uh, celebrate our freedom uh, as long as we still have it. Um, out there at their range too so go check that out so all right we're gonna let everybody uh just say good night wrap anything up anything that you want to uh to mention or if you've got uh um whether it's a youtube channel or something else in the works that uh, that's going on with you we'll let you just throw those shameless plugs out there real quick so this time we will start with the ladies we'll start with stephanie thanks for being here stephanie Thanks for having me. Yeah, just to wrap up, I would remind everybody how important it is to have your voice heard. Um, make sure that you're speaking up. We are um, being opposed by a $60 million Michael Bloomberg budget. So it is important that every voice be heard. Um, firearms industry is leading the way in safety um, we've got NSSF, Project Child Safe. They've got a new program called Gun Owners Care. We've got Eddie Eagle, Faster Saves Lives, Walk the Talk America, Kids Safe Foundation, Hold My Guns. All of those things are doing great work already in the space. Um, so again, thank you for having me. You can find me. Uh, my website is defcompusa.com dot com or on facebook at stephanie schaefer firearms instructor and competitive shooter awesome yeah and you brought up a very good point that i'm i meant to mention it was talked about out in the youtube chat there uh i i don't know about other state senators but i do know that senator adam morfeld the uh the person who introduced lb58 the red flag law we've been talking about uh did get campaign donations from Michael Bloomberg, whether directly or one of his organizations, I don't remember. But uh, Bloomberg's fingerprints are all over LB58. Don't think that they're not. Uh, he's in our state, too, or he's trying to get into our state, too. Um, spread kind of like a fungus. So, all right. Next up, the other lady who was out there in the panel, Trish. Thanks for being here with us. All right. Um, let me make sure I'm unmuted. There I am. Okay. So there's two opportunities. I think this podcast was fantastic uh, to help everybody get educated. When you're educated, you're empowered. Um, the Nebraska Firearm Owners Association would like to invite you uh, if you're in Omaha or Lincoln. So we have a event 
um, in Lincoln on February 18th at the um, Nebraska Game and Parks location at 4703 North 44th Street. Um, it starts at 6. Um, basically, it's a presentation about grassroots activism, LB-816, LB-58, and what you can do to stop these bills from happening. Um, and then if you're in the Omaha area, Monday, February 17th, um, presenting the same seminar um, at the Omaha Gun Club on 82nd and Center, uh, basically 2828 South 82nd Street at 6 p.m. Omaha Gun Club on February 18th at the um, Nebraska Game and Parks building. Hope you guys can join us. It should be really good. Um, great opportunity to meet with other people in person and, and get to learning and get to taking action. Hope to see you there. Very cool. Again, we won't make it down from Norfolk to either of those, but uh, I do hope that all of you uh, who can make it do, it's very important that we nip this in the bud. All right. Uh, Gizzard Gary, we didn't hear a whole lot from you, but I'm assuming you're still there and you're not chat napping. So thanks for joining us, pal. Hey, well, thanks for having me. And uh, I got to, I got to tell you, I'm just impressed by the amount of people from Nebraska that's in this chat. Uh, <laughs> if I had half the organization skills you do, I'd have a heck of a following, man. I mean, uh, really, you had a bunch of them out there. You had their ear. You've had their input. Uh, excellent chat tonight. Uh, all I got to say is keep up the good work, man. Thanks, Gary. And I tell you what, Gary just set the example for those of you who don't have a whole lot to say, but you still want to show up at the Capitol and uh, and sign in and just be counted, you don't have to talk to show your support. And Gary shows up almost all uh, almost every week. Uh, doesn't always say a whole lot because that's just his nature. He's not a super super uh, loud spoken fella, but he's here to support me and and I love you for it, Gary. Thanks for being my neighbor down there. Uh, next you up, bet. anything else? Let me know. Yeah, heck yeah, man. Um, and go check out gizzardgary.com for all the stuff that, all the ways you can find Gary. Uh, he'll show you how to give him the bird. All right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Squib, thanks for hanging out with us. I know that uh, this was kind of Nebraska-centric, and you think that uh, nobody else in the in the country knows where we are, but Mike Bloomberg does. I'm going to leave that one alone. Good night, Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being here pal uh travis thanks for joining us ain't no problem man i appreciate the invite uh cheap plug check out my youtube channel travis p11 guys make sure you get uh involved and then also it again it was very cool seeing all these folks from nebraska watching the podcast this evening and i kind of feel like we're kind of connecting and that's awesome and uh no nah, man and also on the panel check out people on this panel they got great content out there for you uh otherwise that's it man thank you for the invite and thanks for being here. Uh, Duke Liberty, thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for the invite. Great panel. Uh, learned a lot tonight, so really appreciate it. That's right, and that's just the thing. You might not be from Nebraska, but you don't want this happening in your state. If it hasn't already, it's not too late. So uh, thanks for being here. Uh, Rich White, thanks for joining us, sir. Yep, no problem. You know, if I got something to say, I'll say it. So. <laughs> That's but, uh, right. Yeah, I wasn't worried. Yeah, um, but um, Sunday night, check out my show this week on Loaded over on the Unlimited Media channel. And following that, Midnight Range is going to have 
on his show, the owner of a company called Cosaint Arms. They are a new company that's going to be making a custom 1911 where they have a steel frame, but the grip module itself is made out of polymer to make it more uh, 1911 more carry friendly. I got a chance to handle one of those at the Great American Outdoor Show this past weekend in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and they are a very well-made handgun, very comfortable in the hand. So be sure to check out his show immediately following mine Sunday night on the Midnight Range TM channel. Awesome. Check that out. Uh, all right, Jim Burgess, thanks for sneaking in here and uh, and helping out and, and uh, running down a bunch of those links for us. My pleasure. Thanks for the invite, guys. You betcha. All right, Rod, thanks for joining us and uh, lending your expertise and your summarization skills. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, it was a great show tonight. Got a uh, great panel. Uh, the only thing I have to say in, in closing is don't take anything for granted. Use your voice. Be heard. Absolutely true. All righty. And then last but certainly not least, the uh, the guy that made it to where this many people could all get on this panel at the same time, thanks to guntube.org. Go check that out. Uh, if YouTube ever completely kicks us off and won't let us talk about anything that's gun related uh, guntube.org is going to be the place where uh, all of the gun content that you want can be posted with no censorship on the gun content anyway so night strike thanks for being here yeah thanks for having me thanks for sending me the invite and i, I yep, saw the gun do patch i approve yeah heck yeah man that's a that's a lovely one. You got one just like. Are you copying me? You you no, copied my. No, I, this is the first one that was sent out. I've got the first one. That's right awesome. There. I've even got the originals that G Webs made and G Webs made by hand. So. Serial number zero zero one. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, but uh, but in all seriousness, <laughs> Night Strike is the guy that came up with the website. He hosts it, and uh, if anybody wants to go support him and keep GunTube.org on the uh, on the interwebs. That would be great. Um, all right. And one thing I do want to say, I've said this before, and it's not always that popular of an opinion, but I'm here to tell you that uh, the people in Virginia kind of brought this upon themselves. Um, the, uh, the whole situation in Virginia could have been avoided if more people would have gotten out in November and voted and they would not have had a color change from red to blue they wouldn't be in the boat they're in. Now they're panicking because the horses are already out of the barn. Now they're trying to close the barn door and get the horses rounded back up when all they had to do was lock it in the first place and not let them out. I don't want Nebraska to go through the same thing. Let's lock the barn door, not let the horses out, not let our state go the way of Virginia, keep it red. We are the big red nation. Come on, guys. We don't want Big Red Nation to become blue, do we? But that only happens if we all talk about it. We raise awareness. We educate our fellow Nebraskans, and we get out and vote. That's the most important part. So that's been your public service announcement for the night. I would like to thank everybody that joined us out there in the chat. I saw a lot of new names. I saw a lot of names that I don't even see on Facebook. So uh, thank you so much, all of you, uh, for joining us. 
Hopefully you will uh, subscribe to the channel and you'll join us every week now. We do this every Tuesday night at this time. Uh, it's not always something that is uh, talking about our laws, but but the way that this is coming up, uh, I wanted to get this out here. Since my uh, my invited guest uh, wasn't able to make it this week that I had planned on, we'll get her rescheduled. Uh, but we've got some other stuff coming up here in weeks to come that uh, I think is going to be uh, be great stuff for for these live podcasts so we'll keep it going and my list of people out there in the chat is longer uh almost by half than what it normally is so out there in the chat uh i'm gonna read the nebraskans off first my wife was nice enough those of you that said that uh, you were from nebraska she uh she marked you on the list here so carvings by levi richard hirsch pat hirsch jay brown 10x shooters justin gibbons ss pawn Tim Donahue, Colin Overman, uh, 50 Cal, Defense Dad. Go check out Defense Dad. He has got some awesome videos. He lives, I believe, in Lincoln, and uh, he's got a channel about uh, how it is to be a dad that's learning to shoot and learning to uh, be able to defend his family. Uh, Zach was out there. Brett Kersey, Ryan Fisher, John Harrion, uh, Eddie Walker, um, Husker XD, Christopher Westover and Tracy Preston for Nebraskans. The rest of you, we're not done yet. Thanks for being here, Grim90, Gizzard Gary, Gun Loving Grandpa, Guitar Man, Pete, Midnight Range TM, Rich White, Agorizer, Jim Burgess, uh, Boob Sweat Leads to Pearl Necklaces, Tra uh, Travis P11, should have been mentioned as a Nebraskan, uh, Seven Wonders, Two Live Moo, uh, Chugalug, I think was a Nebraskan as well, Blitz, Mike, uh, Patricia Harold is a Nebraskan. Dangerous Freedom, Patriot in the Dark. The 402 Outdoorsman used to be a Nebraskan. Idaho, and I think he still is at heart. Idaho Rogers USMC. Calaveras 32 Special. Blue Steel 44. Ghost Tactical. Keith Gregory. Clint Torres. Scott P79. Zone Fighter 1. Kevin the Tack Daddy. New York Outcast. C4 Defense. And Ozzy Osbourne. <sighs> I have not had to read that many names ever on one of these this has got to be the biggest panel or the biggest uh, list of people commenting in the live chat i've ever had i love it on behalf of night strike rod moeller jim burgess uh rich white duke liberty travis p11 squibload gizzard gary trish harold stephanie schaefer sandhill sweetheart and myself we love you thank you very much for joining us this is super important to us here in the in the state of nebraska hopefully it's important to you as well uh we don't have a channel or a Facebook page without all of you supporting us. So please spread the word. Let everybody know that they can uh, find this kind of info here. Uh, if you liked what you saw and what you heard, share the heck out of it. Thumb it up. Uh, if you want to support us uh, with some money, go to patreon.com. But we don't require it. We would do this uh, for free. We are doing it for free. So uh, uh, it's not a money-making venture. It would just be nice to be able to, uh, to get a little bit to cover some of the expenses of the equipment. We love you. God bless you all. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget to get off my lawn. Adios, Feliz.